0: Welcome to a special episode of the Capital Weekly Podcast. Today's episode was recorded live at a Capital Weekly event, an energy forum, which was recorded on Wednesday, November 17th. Today's episode is the keynote address from the Secretary of California's Natural Resources Agency, Wade Crowfoot, introduced by John Howard of Capital Weekly. Support for Capital Weekly's Energy Forum was provided by TASSAN, the Western States Petroleum Association, KP Public Affairs, Perry Communications, Capital Advocacy, the California Building Industry Association, Lucas Public Affairs, the Metropolitan Water District of Southern California, Pandora, and the California Professional Firefighters.
1: Greetings and welcome to the keynote address of our Energy Forum today. We're delighted to have as our guest uh, Wade Crowfoot, who's the Secretary for Natural Resources for the state of California. And uh, that encompasses a lot of territory. There are a lot of agencies you've heard about that are part of his brief Boating and Waterways, I'm not that familiar with that one, but I do know <laughs> Department of Water Resources, Coastal Commission, Fish and Game Commission. Uh, if it has anything to do with, conservation and protection of our resources. I think Wade is at ground zero of that. He was a deputy cabinet secretary to Jerry Brown. He was earlier an advisor uh, to former, uh, to then mayor of San Francisco Gavin Newsom. And uh, just very briefly, he was undergraduate at the University of Wisconsin at Madison, which I always think of Berkeley East. And he also with honors graduated from the London School of Economics. So with that, Uh, Wade, I'll leave it up to you and, uh, we'll talk soon.
2: Thanks so much, John. It's good to be with you all and wish I could be here for the panels today. Really, uh, important set of discussions happening. I want to, I'll take about 15 minutes to share some perspectives from the administration. And and, and at the top, I want to give you a sense of, of where I sit in uh, on our energy team. Uh, for some of you, what I'm, what I'll share in a moment is real basic, but for others, it could be helpful. So, uh, As many of you know, in California, we have really three entities that are kind of our triumvirate for uh, energy policy and management. And that is, of course, the California Public Utilities Commission, the California Independent System Operator, and the California Energy Commission. And uh, we're proud that the California Energy Commission is part of our agency at Natural Resources. Um, We also uh, have within our agency the Office of Energy Infrastructure Safety. OEIS, which is the newest, one of the newest entities created in state government, created by AB 111 to ensure that utilities are doing what they need to do to reduce catastrophic wildfire risks. So I'll share some thoughts from, from where I sit, but goes without saying, we've got an energy team that's led out of the governor's office, Anamana Santos, Alice Reynolds, uh, and others, uh, and includes uh, all of those, uh, those entities I just mentioned. Um, I'll also share that uh, the, my partner in this work at our agency is Matt Baker, our, our Deputy Secretary for Energy, who does great work uh, supporting our efforts. So at the highest level, you know, I had a chance to be in Glasgow with so many others, including 15 legislators, uh, who were really sending two messages. Um, the first is: we have run out of time to do anything but the most urgent actions we need to transform our economy. Uh, to a post-carbon economy. I think we all know that, but uh, certainly we have new moral authority in California to make that case internationally, given the fact that we're on the front lines of climate change, Uh, catastrophic wildfire, uh, severe drought, um, extreme heat, and then flooding and sea level rise not too far behind. And so that was a message we were bringing to Glasgow, which is we need to do now more than we've ever done before to to make this transition as quickly as we can. Also, we were there talking about the California story, which I think we can all be proud of. And that is a story that's witnessed significant economic growth in the last two decades while we've reduced our carbon emissions. If I'm getting the numbers right, in the last 18 years, we've reduced our carbon emissions by about 26% and grown our GDP by about 68%. And that's really powerful in the international context, particularly given the size of our economy, the fifth largest economy in the world. So we like to say, you know, collectively, thanks to your efforts, our legislative leadership, our governor, that we are a proof point uh, around how we can make this transition. And we know that making this transition has been good for our economy. Um, One one statistic I always cite is just the uh, amount of uh, venture capital investment in clean technology that that California has attracted upwards of over 50 percent of the clean tech venture capital over the last decade as a result of California's leadership, clean tech companies, many of which understand they have to they want to be here in California because this is where the policies are being made. Demand is being driven. But I think we also recognize when we were over at, uh, at, in Scotland, a couple of things. One is that there are a lot of entities that are doing really great work that we can learn from. So there's, uh, there are examples of other places that are doing work that we should learn from. And secondly, and germane to this discussion here today, is we have a lot of work to do. Um, our, you know, our North Star on energy is, of course, SB100. Um, and for the governor's administration is ultimately carbon neutrality by, by 2045. And while I think we can be proud of what we've got achieved uh, collectively, there is a lot of really important work ahead. So what we're now focused on moving forward is how do we uh, accelerate this transition, uh, execute this transition uh, in a way that maintains economic prosperity and ensures uh, economic and, and social uh, equity, uh, and so that is, of course, no doubt in the in the discussions you've had this morning, uh, has come up, which is how do we balance this energy transition that we're making uh, to essentially what gets discussed in at the COP uh, as net zero, what we call carbon neutrality, uh, SB one hundred in the energy sector. Um, in a way that maintains our our economic growth and prosperity and and improves uh, equity uh, across the state. So, I want to raise uh, at least you know some areas of focus that we're taking on in the governor's office and I should say in the administration. I'll also mention if you have questions or thoughts that you want to share and would ask me to answer, you can tap on that Q and A button, and I think our our colleagues uh, will help those up for me so I'll be able to, uh, to answer them. Um, first is obviously SB100 uh, planning, which sounds a little wonky, but it's critically important. As you probably know, in the 2021-22 budget, uh, the governor legislature provided over $40 million uh, to planning and permitting agencies to meet the SB100 goals. Um, that's the 2030 goal of the 60% carbon-free and ultimately the 2045 goal. So there's a lot of important work happening on energy planning. So, for example, what resources and and transmission do we need? Um, when do we need them? The CPUC and CEC are modeling the goals and where the resources will come from. CAISO is working with the CEC on developing a mid and long term plan for transmission. This is obviously all critical because something like transmission line takes years to actually manifest. And so, if we're going to meet these goals. Uh, not only do we have to be bringing a uh, new resource online each year, but we have to make sure that we have the capacity for the, those resources and ensure the portfolio mix of those resources uh, over time. There's of course the, the questions around siting. Um, where will we put uh, more carbon-free uh, energy sources across the state? And that's a, uh, a focus of the Energy Commission in partnership with our Department of Conservation in our agency and the Department of Ag, or what we know as uh, CDFW, um, to really identify where we should prioritize um, these resources, particularly given we have other goals, such as conserving environmentally sensitive habitat. And then uh, permitting. Um, The the last budget included $14 million to the Department of uh, Fish and Wildlife uh, to permit new facilities uh, to actually support the Uh, the permitting of of energy uh, projects, because we know we can do a better job permitting projects more quickly, taking care of the analysis uh, that we need to in in permitting those projects, but actually getting those resources online more quickly. So that's one major thrust over the next year and next several years is really uh, planning and permitting so that we actually have this pipeline of projects to meet SB 100 goals. Um, we Many of us know how long transmission planning and execution takes. And so that's a real important focus so that we're not stuck in several years understanding we need more resource, but then not, in, not having the capacity to provide it. Um, we know we need distributed resources, uh, which are critically important, particularly given resilience, and we're going to need um, more what we know as sort of central utility scale resource. Um, so from my perspective, it is an all of the above Uh, zero carbon strategy that we're gonna need in terms of bringing uh, on resources. We're really bullish and leaning heavily forward on offshore wind. Uh, Of course, uh, Assembly Bill 525 and Assembly Member Chu's bill um, drove this and a lot of advocacy around this. We've been working on this for quite a while through the California Energy Commission, trying to get federal permission for uh, an area of federal waters to actually develop projects in very glad that we have this 399 square mile area uh, in the central coast called a, this, this call area where we're going to be analyzing the potential to get uh, solicitation uh, on the street to get uh, proposed projects uh, on board i think we recognize that offshore wind is a really helpful resource particularly given uh, the time of day it provides uh, energy and we have really tight federal partnership on this so that's a major, major thrust of, of ours. Likewise, long duration storage. We know that uh, some of the strongest, most cost-effective renewables, including solar and wind uh, are, um, are, are not baseline, right? They're uh, intermittent. And so therefore we know we need uh, long duration storage to level out or, uh, or uh, mollify that uh, demand supply curve. And so really glad that CPUC's leadership on procurement, et cetera, are making progress to expand long duration storage. And then don't forget geothermal um, as a uh, source of energy that is both carbon free and baseline that runs 24 seven. And we have some of it in place, getting some more, um, but also I'll just say, I'm really interested about the potential uh, of, of geothermal, particularly if we can figure out transmission um, to, to balance out those uh, intermittent renewables that we have on the system. Um, I'll also say a little bit uh, separated from maybe the discussion here today, but just want to thank all the work that's taken place, developing a potential lithium resource in the Imperial Valley, uh, assembly member Garcia, Senator Hueso have led on this as has the California Energy Commission there's a remarkable resource of lithium in the brine um, under the Imperial Valley. And we're focused on the potential of utilizing that resource, which is, as you know, really important for uh, electric vehicle batteries and the technologies that we're going to need to transition away from fossil fuels. And we are committed to doing it in a way that not only works for you know, the planet in terms of what we're trying to do, but the local communities. Uh, And this could be a really uh, important source of economic development and jobs uh, for the Imperial Valley and maybe a way to help continue to stabilize the Salton Sea. So really excited about that. I guess lastly, I'll say your, your next panel is on, on oil and what does it mean around phasing out fossil fuels? I'll mention that during the conference of parties of the COP in Glasgow, We announced California's participation or essentially as a founding member in an entity that's come together that's just called the Beyond Oil and Gas Alliance. And this is countries around the world that are committed to phasing out the production of fossil fuels as they phase out the demand for fossil fuels. And we understand that if we're only phasing out our extraction of fossil fuels in the state, but we're not addressing or not phasing out the demand for fossil fuels, when we're gonna simply uh, require more oil imports into the state. But what we are committed to doing is as we reduce our demand for oil and fossil fuels in the state, which we're gonna do through our 2035 ZEV mandate and so many other policies that the legislature governor have developed, Um, We are committed to phasing down and ultimately phasing out uh, fossil fuel uh, in the state. We think that is ultimately responsible. The carbon neutrality in 2045 um, also means that we're we're, we're minimizing our demand for fossil fuels as well as phasing out the production of fossil fuels as well. So hopefully this provides a a broad sense of administration priorities uh, for the coming uh, for the coming year. And again, if you have questions that you are interested in asking, please do uh, share them in the Q&A function, and I'd be glad to answer any questions that you have.
1: Great. Wade, thank you so much. I had a question I'd like to ask. Um, we always cover, in the, in, in the political world, you, you cover executive orders and you cover legislation, and you you've mentioned both, but executive orders are temporary, and they can vanish with the next administration. Legislation is more permanent. Uh, How long do you think these aspirations we've got now are going to stay into effect over the next 25 years?
2: Yeah, it's it's a fair point. You know, executive orders from our perspective are a way that we can really align all of the agencies in our vast state government behind one clear directive. But we acknowledge that they are not changes of law. And they can be modified by by future governors. That's why, for example, uh, SB 100 passing as a law, uh, committing the state to 100 percent zero emission. Oh, sorry, 100 uh, percent carbon free energy was so important. I'll note, John, that our 2045 carbon neutrality target is simply an executive, essentially an executive order directive. So this goal of by 2045 reaching net zero carbon. That means severely reducing uh, carbon pollution and then removing a portion of carbon from the atmosphere that's netting out carbon throughout the state. That is only, that's an executive directive. Mm -hmm. So you're very, that's, that's very um, that's, I think it's, I, I think it's a fair statement to make that 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 could change in the future. My sense is, that as you talk to to folks across California and across the world, everybody understands that these net zero or carbon neutrality targets are really important. And I know there was at least a bill proposal in, in the last session. I'll leave it to people smarter than me in the legislature, whether they'll make that a law, but certainly to have that 2045 carbon neutrality target be that durable target over the next 25 years, uh, you know, it would require a law.
1: You mentioned you were in Glasgow. Um, what did you, how did you perceive the perception of other nations towards California? How did we stack up in, in terms of their expectations and what they think we should be achieving?
2: Well, I'll tell you, I mean, first of all, everybody knows California, right? Just because of the cultural influence and the and the economic influence. And so you, you know, you you instantly get listened to walking into a room coming from California. I think people are from around the world are impressed with what we've done, but I have to say, that you know, we are now being challenged by others around the world that are ambitious on their targets, on their execution. So you know, in my experience, ten years ago, we were doing things that others weren't even talking about, um, and now we're to the point where we're looking at other subnationals, whether they're in Germany or the UK or uh, Australia, and they're doing some really innovative things. Um, so I would say that there's that there's um, admiration for California, but there's also a recognition that we need to do more.
1: Is there anything you can think of uh, that you saw in the short term that we should be pattering ourselves after? Is there something we should be doing we're not doing now, do you think?
2: Well, I mean, look, I I always when I go to when I go to these international meetings, I always come from a really humble perspective around. There's a lot to learn. (laughs) So I'm always taking notes around what's happening in other places. I think, you know, uh, you you just saw a proposal coming from our insurance commissioner and legislators around extreme heat and ranking extreme heat. I think that's a really good example. It sounds like of of those leaders hearing from other places that had some innovations that we hadn't yet uh, hadn't yet taken on. Um, there a whole part of my uh, work and my responsibility that we're not talking about is all the work on resilience and protecting people and nature from the impacts of climate change, and so that's one example of of where we you know thanks to our leaders took uh, an idea and are working to implement it here. Um, there's a number of other areas I work. I focus on oceans and coastal uh, protection a lot. So there's a lot that other places are doing around coastal protection, around ocean acidification that we're also working on. It's funny, I just came back about four days ago and it's still, the jet lag and all that is still, I'm uh, uh, still been in a bit of a fog, but I think really over the next handful of days and weeks, those of us who were there, you'll be hearing more about uh, things that, you know, we'll be advancing based on our, our learning from our colleagues.
1: One last question, just over the next uh, year as a short-term goal, what would you put at the top of your list of what you'd like to accomplish?
2: Well, I mean, for me personally, is to really get our hands around this catastrophic wildfire crisis, and this is a major impact on energy too. So, as we know, you know, California's had wildfires since time immemorial. It's part of our ecological cycle. Climate change combined with a century a legacy of fire exclusion has created really dangerous conditions thanks to the governor and legislature we now have a 1.5 billion dollars more than 10 times the money we've ever had to proactively address the problem through things like prescribed fire and fuel breaks around communities i think it's really important for california to get our arms around that in other words reduce the risk of catastrophic wildfire and that's going to have a benefit on uh, on this question these discussion on energy because as you know, investor-owned utilities are spending a lot of resources on wildfire safety, and that is putting pressure on rates. And as we make this energy transition to zero carbon, uh, we have to manage for uh, rates and ensuring that we're making this transition in a way that's affordable for ratepayers. So if we can actually get our catastrophic wildfire problem um, in control in coming years, there will be a benefit to this energy transition because- I envision that ultimately we won't be in this downward cycle of investor-owned utilities spending more and more and more money on wildfire safety and being able to focus uh, resources
1: on the transition. Great. Wade Crowfoot, Natural Resources Secretary, thank you very much for joining us. I'm John Howard. I'm the editor of Capital Weekly, and thank you all for participating and viewing, and uh, we'll see you again soon. The Capital
0: Weekly Podcast is produced by Tim Foster for Open California. If you enjoyed today's episode, we hope you'll go onto iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts and leave us a positive review. Thanks a lot, and we'll see you next week. The Capital Weekly Podcast is supported by TASAN, the Tribal Alliance of Sovereign Indian Nations.